You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul discusses the movement in Genesis from Elohim to Yahweh Elohim, reminding us that the itinerary of biblical words forces us to be patient as the story unfolds. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. The following passage, 6 1 through 11, where the kings are belittled in view of Deuteronomy 17 and 1 Samuel 8, but I discussed that, the play on the Bene Elohim, the sons of God, and the women are called daughters of man. Okay, so I don't want to rehash these things. Please listen to my presentation for the next podcast from the perspective I'm taking. Until now, I'm still dealing with Elohim to make you realize that the text is forcing upon you and thus to figure out Genesis 1-1 you have to wait for Genesis 2 and 3. Then you have to wait for Genesis 4 Remember, you have all the way Yahweh, and at the end, suddenly Elohim appears before Yahweh. Then you meet it in 524 with Enoch. Elohim ha Elohim. Then you meet it at the beginning of chapter 6. What I'm trying to say to you, this 1 through 11 is already forcing you to wait but on the other hand, not to wait too long because it's really leading you to capture, if you like, 90% of the matter, and then later it becomes clearer and clearer as to what Elohim is all about. At the beginning I said, I'll discuss specifically verses, but in conjunction with their itinerary in 1 through 11 and also throughout scripture so I can cover both items I'm tackling the teaching of scripture in its totality and in 1 through and that friends is majestic it may be as I say not divine but it is definitely not human Vulcan possibly but not human Okay, so let's go Star Trek. And with this, I would like to move to another reality, character in the story, which is Yahweh Elohim that is encountered 20 times in Genesis 2.4 through 3.23. Okay, it controls. Why is it so? And what is it doing there? And again, 
when you're hearing the story of Genesis 2-3, there is some parallelism with chapter 1, but you're not hearing any more chapter 1. It's a different ball game. There you have, if you like, the entire universe. Here you have a garden and a specific geography and so on. Yahweh Elohim it is used 20 times. My first comment here, in parenthesis, is in the Septuagint, it is found only 11 times, which confirms what I said earlier regarding theologizing. I'm saying about the combination, Kyrios or Theos. If you don't trust me, check on it. One more time, I'm bombarding you to realize that hearing the Septuagint cannot be equated with hearing the original. Especially that the serpent is going to play on Yahweh Elohim and Elohim. So when you're hearing the Septuagint, you're not hearing the same story as you're hearing in Hebrew. So these 20 times are interspersed, in other words, in the middle, you have Elohim alone three plus one times, meaning they're used by the serpent and Eve in chapter 3, verses 1, 3, and 5. First by the serpent, then by Eve, and then by the serpent. I mean, it cannot be more impressive. Conclusion, Eve fell in the trap of picking up the phraseology of the serpent, and this is what Alexandrian theology did. It picked up Platonic terminology and interjected it in the text. Again, I'm speaking about the Orthodox. The others are not better. Actually, the Orthodox theologians are more logical than the rest of Christianity, but it doesn't help me with that. You're really reading into the text. Okay. No wonder that I discovered that the serpent is Plato. It's like his academia. He was the earliest person who allowed his students to debate, to control them, as you know. You know, these professors, my classes this semester are seminars. This is when the teacher wants to earn his check without doing the work, but by saying at the end of each class, the words he wants to say and to tell the students that's what you have to remember. But Tarazi always earned his check, asked David Drillock, when the students heard me say in the classroom, look friends, we're doing Jeremiah this semester, I'm not interested in anything else, including your salvation. So they went and complained to him. And David said, what's your problem? What do you mean salvation? No, no, friends, that's not the point. The point is that I am paying Tarazi this semester to teach Jeremiah. See, the old school. (laughs) 
Notice what he said. I'm paying him to teach Jeremiah and not to babble about your salvation. That is majestic. The Rurik used to laugh always when I would tell him that unbeknownst to you, you are one of the most scriptural people. By the way, he shared with me once that I shall never forget. In a faculty seminar in the time of Mayendorf, and he said this in front of everybody. Everybody was stunned, but not as much as I was. Mm-hmm. He said, Father Paul, in spite of all our disagreements, I learned from you something that I used to teach my students in the class of music that you can't read backwards and all of us looked at him I said if you hear a piece of music that sounds like tone 5 of the Byzantine music that was established at a certain time within the eight tones of Byzantine music, you may not refer to that piece as written in tone five. What he heard me saying about scripture, he applied it to music, that you can't read backwards. But this is what theology does. It speaks about the god of Schweitzer, just to introduce the West a little bit, Schweitzer, into the biblical text. You can do that. Now, I know that Plato was before the biblical text, but you know that I know, and by now you know, that the biblical text was written against Plato. That's the difference. And then to use philosophy... I mean, how many times you heard Orthodox theologians? If you don't know Greek theology, you can't understand hypostasis, usia, it was understood. And so. That's why I think the Catholics are more honest than we are. The seminarians have to study philosophy first, and then theology. Why lose the time every time to go back and forth? It's assumed. Classical theology does not lend too much importance to this matter since in its purview the two nouns slash words refer to the one and same person where I use the terms reality character it's like the same actor Robert De Niro could be this and that in another movie and people tell me How about in the same movie? Well, there are movies which I like very much where an actor plays two roles. Sometimes twins, sometimes not twins. There you go. Whom are you talking about? Can you imagine in a TV show saying, I want the two actors that played. There is one actor. (laughs) You can't call upon two actors. So let's talk sense when we're teaching people that what I'm saying is not outwardly the way the theologians make me sound. 
However, as I stressed at the outset, in Semitic languages, the noun reflects a function. Teacher, priest. You remember in my intro about Nadim and Karim. And thus it is a matter of role in the sense of function. But we jump directly into the personality or the personalism. And you have this play in the scripture, although it's never solved on purpose. Whom shall I tell them I am? Send you this. Yahweh send you. How do you explain that jump? The only way to explain it is that God, in the book of Exodus, knew his Arabic grammar. But he never revealed this to anyone. He waited for me to reveal it to the rest of you. He knew Arabic grammar. Because in the translation it doesn't work. And that's the calamity of the famous O-ON. It became O-ON. The existing. Look at the face of Orthodox priests at the end of Vespers. Christ our Lord. The existing one. Notice they like to stress it. So it is a matter of role. Like now I'm a teacher. I'm not a priest. I have to be priest when you are liturgizing. So let's be serious about these things. You're a priest, always a priest. A teacher, always a teacher. No. All these words in Arabic as in Hebrew are present participle. You cannot be emeritus. You cannot be a retired baseball player because in Arabic it doesn't sound correct. Player means playing. How could you be playing and retired at the same time? Now, people tell me, but nowadays in Arabic it is mentioned that you are a retired teacher. I know, but it's very silly. Well, that's what I'm trying to say to you. It's not that you don't use it. But it does not sound silly. Although if you hear it technically in English, it should sound silly. What's a teacher is the one who's teaching. But the teacher teaching in English in the Semitic languages is the same word with absolutely no difference. The teacher would be the teaching one. This is what it means. So let's really absorb these things. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.